Good evening and welcome back to the regular meeting of the Napa Valley College Board of Trustees. The board is returning from closed session where we do have some announcements to make. With the unanimous approval, the Board of Trustees has approved and ratified full-time employment, tenure-track, respiratory care instructor, clinical coordinator, Ricardo Guzman, start date January 17, 2017, ending date May 27, 2017, plus 15 additional days. Ricardo here today. Thank you very much, and congratulations. With anonymous, anonymous approval, the difference there, uh, the Board of Trustees has approved the ratified full-time employment, temporary full-time leave replacement, Spanish instructor Martha Elizabeth de Piera, start date January 17, 2017, ending date May 27, 2017. Arthur, are you here this evening? Thank you. Congratulations. The Board of Trustees unanimously approved the unratified full-time employment, temporary full-time leave replacement, associate degree nursing instructor, <coughs> Catherine Radliff. Start date, January 17, 2017. Ending date, May 27, 2017. Catherine, are you here? Congratulations. The Board of Trustees unanimously approved ratified full-time employment, temporary full-time leave replacement, child and family studies instructor Simone Finley. Start date, January 17, 2017. Ending date, May 27, 2017. Simone? Congratulations. Thank you. Board of Trustees unanimously approved ratified full-time employment, temporary full-time leave replacement, psychology instructor Veronica Henderson Borges, start date January 17, 2017, ending date May 27, 2017. Veronica, thank you and congratulations. And the Board of Trustees unanimously approved and ratified full-time employment, Classified Research Analyst, Megan Bonilla. Start date, January 3rd, 2017. Megan, are you here this evening? Yeah. Megan is here? Yes. Oh, it's Robin. Robin is delighted because... Yeah, wonderful. Thank you very much. Well, it's, uh, at this time, we're at 7.2, the Pledge of Allegiance, and I ask Jennifer Baker to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. To the flag of the United States of America, and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice. Thank you very much. Jennifer. Okay, at uh, 7.3, adoption of the agenda. Uh, seeing no uh, amendments or changes, we'll adopt it as presented. 
And that moves us to item eight, which is the public comment general. Uh, under 8.1, public comment and guidelines. At this time, the board will devote a total of up to 15 minutes for comments to the Board of Trustees regarding any subject not appearing as an agenda item for this meeting, but over which the board has jurisdiction. The public may ask the board to place an item related to the business of the district on a future board agenda. No action nor discussion will occur at this time on such items. Individuals will be limited to a five-minute presentation. And I do have uh, two speaker cards. And I understand there's a Cynthia Keener present. Correct. That would like to comment to the board of trustees. No, mm, no not for now. No, I, thank you very much. I, I'm sorry. Uh, all right. Thank you very much. Continue on in alphabetical order. Jeff Sheckman. Thank you. Let me be uh, very brief for a change. For those of you that on uh, rainy nights have been wanting to uh, relive and re-experience last month's board meeting, which I uh, unfortunately missed, I want to apologize for the fact that it's been delayed in getting posted. We had posted it really briefly and realized that there was a sound problem with it. I wasn't here, as, as most of you know, for the last meeting because I had to uh, moderate a panel on assisted suicide at the film festival tied to a film there. The recording was on autopilot and... I anticipated that it would be a normal board meeting of normal length, and what happened is it exceeded that and turned itself off and started recording itself over the first part of the recording, um, all of which is fixable because it's on two separate tracks and it's in the process of being repaired. It's a slow, painful process that somebody's doing. I was explaining to somebody earlier that it literally has to be done 25 seconds at a time but it'll probably take about another week to do, and then it'll be posted, and you'll all have the pleasure of listening to it. Just wanted to bring you all up to date. Thank you very much. We also have a speaker card for April Torres. <coughs> Hello, everybody. Um, I, my name is April Torres. I am a student here at Napa Valley College, and um, I am a... I'm currently taking enrolled in ASL 121 um, here at this uh, campus, and um, I understand that the last meeting there was uh, a discussion about this, and I understand that the reason for um, wanting to not continue the classes was for the revamping of the classes. Um, however, what I don't understand is um, you're, it's claiming to be revamped. However, I don't understand in what way, shape, or form. Uh, that would entail, um, I obviously don't know how the process of it, revamping a class works, um, but what I, I, I guess I'm having trouble understanding is how were the classes, I believe, on the um, up, ASL update that was handed out. Um, it mentioned that the it was identified for review by the Office of Instruction, um, in coordination by the Modern Languages Department. And I guess I wanted to ask how and how it was identified. Um, what did they deem that was maybe not adequate enough for the classes to continue? Um, it just doesn't, it doesn't make 
much sense to me and a lot of the students here who do rely on this program and um, have learned an, an enormous amount of knowledge, especially when it comes to tough culture and um, just how, how to properly, you know, show respect for people who, who, who are hard of hearing and who are deaf. Um, I feel like this class is more than just a class. I've, I've learned a tremendous amount of information and um, I'm sorry. I just want to, I guess the other thing that I wanted to bring up was how are the classes, um, how are they going to be in the future properly um, judged on how well the professor is uh, able to actually sign? Like how, how is anybody going to know whether or not they are an adequate member, like, like they are good enough to teach if it's not been previously reviewed in any way, shape, or form. No, um, no progress reports or nothing from teachers from the class have ever been given to any of the students on my account or from my knowledge. Um, it just doesn't make sense that it's being deemed not adequate enough, but it's not being said what's not exactly adequate. And, um, it's just, it doesn't make sense as well when, um, when you look at the revenue that that class is bringing into the school, you've got $46 per unit for each class. That class always is full. It's always waitlisted. So 46 times 5 times 36, that puts you at $8,280 of revenue that is um, coming in to the school versus a class that's um, three units like Japanese with about 10 students, that's $1,840, $1,840. And when you add that up, it just doesn't, doesn't make sense to me why you would want to discontinue to provide students with a, a good service, a class that they've paid for and are willing to take the time out and come um, and learn. And it just... Um, Another thing that was on my mind was if once the program is revamped or however, in whatever way, shape, or form it is, how will uh, the students who have taken the class in the past know that it will still remain adequate once they uh, transfer to a uh, four-year university? Will they still acknowledge those credits? Will it still be on the same level as it new classes are, the revamped courses are, or would I have to pay extra money to go to this university, pay more of my time uh, to retake the classes because they're not technically been deemed adequate. Um, sorry. And on another note, I would like to congratulate the people who have been um, voted on to serve on this board. Um, I thought that was the an amazing moment when you guys came in and you stood here and you guys, you know, took an oath to stand up for the community and for the students here. And I think that's a great, a great thing. And I just, I implore you guys to take your job seriously and just consider the impact that this is having on the community and the students that you were all voted upon to represent. And 
Um, as far as the rest of the ASL update on how you guys are going to be um, expanding the pool of qualified instructors, you've got a qualified instructor and you've had one. And um, I guess I, I did notice that you guys were, in fact, looking to uh, add more instructors to that, which is helpful. Um, but if I saw the I saw a posting, I guess, online and it just confused me as to why you guys were looking when it's not going to be offered in the spring. So, um, we have one, one minute. Thank you. Um, I just want to say that when it's, it's just, it amazes me, I guess, in a way, um, how much I've learned from this class and how much, uh, my perspective has changed uh, a lot on uh, hearing culture and um, in regards to how they treat others, uh, especially members of the deaf uh, and hearing community. When we all stand up and say the Pledge of Allegiance, we all say liberty and justice for all, but sometimes it just doesn't feel that way. It just feels like it's there's no equal access, and the lack of equal access is a complete disregard to people who are deaf and hard of hearing and who are entitled to have the same information that we all get. And um, I guess that, that's all I have to say. But I, again, I implore you guys to just think about it and actually speak up and stand up for the members of the community and the students who come to the school and pay you guys money, well, not you guys, but, you know, institution, to come here and learn and show off that we are, you know, you guys are supposed to be the number one. So that's what it says on the board when you drive in, right? So I just, I don't understand it. But. Thank you, April. Yes, the board recognizes. Yes, you may approach the podium and introduce yourself. And um, coming in here this evening, I had anticipated that we would be hearing something back about um, the ASL class. I did also want to come and support the incoming members, which I'm very proud to support, um, Ms. Baker. However, uh, as a senator of the DSPS, to walk into a meeting where there were interpreter requests and not to have an interpreter here, it's pretty disturbing. It's actually against federal law. The law, it is uh, out of ADA compliance tonight, is per section uh, 36.303, Title Three. It isn't for the college to question what information the deaf who are in attendance tonight needed to gather here. The deaf are welcome at this meeting anytime they'd like to come to the meeting and don't have to be in Anticipated to speak or necessarily the subject matter be ASL. The deaf community members sat here for hours while the meeting went on and were marginalized and not allowed to participate. And that is really along the lines of what's been going on at the college. It's discrimination. And now um, the president's report states that there is going to be an ASL class moving forward in the new semester and that there has been a part-time instructor 
that is being um, approved here or has been approved with a depth of experience. The instructor you have, Jennifer Love, has a depth of experience. She is also highly respected and regarded by the deaf community, and never once has she even been uh, assessed or any kind of reference back to the job she's done. And I think that's one of the reasons why the chancellor's office has got us on a probation period, because proper assessments of people who are employed here are not transpiring. And for various reasons, I'm sure. I just also want to remind you that there was signed into the law by Governor Jerry Brown, and it will become active as of January 1st, CA-AB 1690, which would give Ms. Loeb the, uh, how would I say, the seniority, even though she's an adjunct. This law now protects adjunct professors in moving forward, and by not giving her an opportunity to serve the college moving forward, you're again breaking another law. I would honestly like to see everybody here start getting with the program, whereas shared governance is concerned, Whereas disabilities and rights are concerned, uh, you know, you're under already a, a, a probation or some kind of short-term stint because of the chancellor's office not feeling like the college is meeting these things, yet one thing after another I see. The meeting shouldn't even have started with deaf people here present and not being able to hear what was going on. You think that these deaf people should not have had an opportunity to hear the person that they supported be, uh, you know, commended for her effort? Imagine that. Imagine if you were all taken your hearing away and just have to sit here. It's so disheartening and wrong. And I mean, it, it, it's against federal law. How long you guys think you're going to get to sit around here and continue to do the things you keep doing? It's disabled people. They have rights, and you guys get federal funding, and you disregard it. It's just really hard for me to just stand here and even see this and not say something. So that's why I'm standing up tonight. You have a perfectly great teacher. You haven't even assessed or given any kind of uh, perspective of uh the class has been discounted, and laws are being broken, and the marginalized are continued to be marginalized, and it's really sad. And I'm glad that I've stood up to be a senator of the DSPS. I'm not going any way, uh, anywhere. I'm going to keep standing. I'm going to keep reporting. I'm going to call Office of Civil Rights in the morning and let them know what I witnessed here because it's just awful. It's, it's shame on everyone here. And, and shame on you, Carolee. You shouldn't wonder why, you know, I got an interpreter so you could come talk. No, you got an interpreter so that they could hear. Period. Thank you, Ron. Is there anyone else present that would like to take advantage of the public comment section? Seeing no one approach the podium, I hereby close the section on public comments to the Board of Trustees. We're moving to item nine, constituent group reports. I'll begin with 9.1, the Academic Senate Report. Amanda Badger. Good evening. Good evening, board. Oh, I'm up. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to welcome the two 
new members and the returning member to the Board of Trustees. I look forward to working with all of you, and um, I hope opening up um, dialogue with regard to faculty purview and helping guide your understanding of the 10 plus 1 moving forward. Tonight, I just want to mention the fact that we have actually, in addition to retiring classified and administrators, we also have three very important faculty members who are retiring at the conclusion of this semester. And one who was actually feted today in Health Oc, and that's Kate Binscoder. She has been with the college since 1988, and Kate has been an instructor in respiratory care therapy. Um, and has served both as a faculty member and as then uh, she worked as dean of Health Oc um, in that position for many years. Um, Kate, for the Senate, has been it, just an incredible support, both in her role as uh, co-chair of planning some years back and more notably very recently when we needed a co-chair in planning for this fall semester. Um, she worked also uh, on the strategic, strategic enrollment management report that, uh, along with uh, Marcy Sanchez, Faye Smiley, very, very important work that was done a couple of years ago. And she will be sorely missed, though I'm gratified to hear we have, you have just approved her, um, the person who will succeed her. In addition to Kate, we are saying goodbye to Julie Hall, who's been with the college since 2001. And Julie Hall uh, is an instructor in business and uh, brought to this uh, position a tremendous amount of enthusiasm. She uh, revamped the business curriculum and included uh, the development of an entrepreneurial certificate. Um, she was sponsor of the Alpha Beta Gamma International Business Honor Society and um, worked with students very directly in that capacity. For many, many years, Julie Hall served as the treasurer for the Academic Senate and then in 2014 stepped up to be budget co-chair. And uh, we will also be very sorry to see Julie go. She actually had been on leave this semester um, to spend time with her family, and I understand she's looking forward to sort of the new and next chapter in her life. And finally, and this one is of particular personal importance to me, um, we're saying goodbye to Fane Hancock, who has been full-time with the college since 2005. Fane and I are colleagues in the art department, the visual arts department, and um, besides being an extraordinary extraordinary instructor um, who supported students and actually in his report last month Eric spoke at length about the work that Fane has done in getting our students into premier art schools. Fane has um, also served the, the Senate and on social committee and scholarship committee. Again, her uh, kind of ongoing interest in supporting students directly and finally, and most recently, on the Professional Development Committee. So I, for one, am going to be very sorry to see these three valuable colleagues go, and I look forward to the spring when we can honor them here with um, a resolution. With resolution. Thank you.
very much, Vanilla. The administrative confidential Senate report to Ken Arnold. Ken Arnold, uh, President of the Administrative Senate. Um, not a long report, um, just other than we are looking to do, uh, we're going to be doing a holiday gathering uh, next week, just sort of close out the year as a Senate, get ready to gear up for next semester. On the uh, leadership uh, side, we graduated uh, Class 3, um, one of our graduates sitting here right next to me, and we're continuing to recruit for four Classes 4 and 5 of next year, and we're beginning to do the groundwork for the leadership grant program to develop uh, basically develop a core of instructors to make sure that that program lives in perpetuity beyond, uh, you know, beyond my retirement. Thank you very much, sir. Associated students of Napa Valley College Report, Gabriel Sanchez. Good evening, board. Uh, we don't have a lot uh, to report on this tonight, just that as of uh, next January, we'll have 19 members on board. We've had, uh, I believe, five or six people join us uh, throughout the semester, so we're very excited about that, most of them in senator positions. Uh, on top of that, we'll also be holding uh, our own retreat uh, so that we can start uh, looking at the next year, uh, the events that we're going to be working on, and other projects that the senators will also be responsible for uh, continuing even after they leave on campus, and that'll be happening the second week of January, uh, right before we come back to school. And then we'll also have the welcome back tables on the first two days of uh, on the 18th and 19th when we come back to school. So I'd like to invite all of you to come on by, grab a cup of coffee, maybe some senorita bread, and say hi to the students. Uh, we are also asking for people to volunteer. Um, I know that a couple of the board members uh, like to volunteer for those welcome back tables. So. Feel free to uh, stop on by our office, and congratulations to the new board members. If you ever want to reach out to the associated students, um, I can talk to you after the meeting. Um, I don't know if I'll stick around because uh, I do have finals to study for next week. Um, oh, uh, sorry, one more point. Uh, we've been working on our Constitution for about two or three months now, and now that it's been finalized uh, with all the edits, it'll be coming to the student body in January uh, in an election during Club Rush so that we can start um, enforcing it, and then on top of that, the new emails will also be a great tool so that we can start reaching out to them about uh, events that we're having, activities that we're planning, open positions, and a variety of other things coming out of the Office of Student Life. So we are very uh, thankful to IT, and thanks, Bob, for helping me uh, figure out everything related to that. Thank you. Gabriel, when, when is, do you know the retreat date yet? Just this exactly, or are you still scoping in on it? Or I can connect we're, with we're you still, afterwards. We're, yeah, we're still trying to okay. figure out what days work. Uh, it it looks like it's the Thursday before we come back, and we said that was the yeah the twelfth. The twelfth looks like the retreat day. Yeah, um, we're still trying to figure out who's going to be part of our retreat uh, in terms of training. Uh, sounds like Ken might be able to do something. Huh? Yeah, sure. not sure yet, but yeah. we'll figure it out. And Thanks. I apologize, but I'm going to be. Thank you. Thanks, Gabriel. 9.4 classified association report, Jan Chart. Someone else have a report? Move on to 9.5 classified Senate report. Do we have a Good evening. Good evening, board, and welcome new board members. Um, sorry I missed earlier. 
I, I wish I was here earlier, um, but I do thank you guys for honoring our classified retirees. That's awesome. Um, I, let's see, where am I? Uh, not a whole lot is going on right now. November, December has been pretty crazy for a lot of the classified um, staff. We, uh, we're still working on our bylaws. Um, next week we do have, at our meeting, we've invited Ken to come and talk to our group and let us know what's going on about, or to communicate as to the changes that will be happening around campus and uh, how that will impact the college. Um, and then as for the Leadership Academy, I did have um, some of our, some of them wanted me to share, or I will share some of the things that they've gained from Leadership Academy. Um, basically, most of them were, they gained a lot, not just of knowledge and, and the training, but they liked working on the same level at, with a different constituency group. Um, they liked the the networking, the the skills that they've gained. Um, some said that it will help to be help them to be better listeners, uh, open more communication in their departments and through the different chains. There's a lot they wanted me to share, but it's it's really too much. Um, one did request that I share her favorite quote. Uh, Dixie Larson wanted me to say that the one quote she did walk away with was by Richard Branson, clients do not come first, employees come first. If you take care of your employees, they will take care of the client. <clears throat> um, and then I had uh, another participant who who enjoyed it, but she would also like to see it a continuing process for not just a one-time class, but something that they could continually grow with. And she'd like to see if there was a way to attach this to give those who do complete the program some more um, meaning to their current positions they have, and as well as chances for, I guess, more opportunities to grow and expand in, in their role and functions in their department. They want to see the uh, administrators utilize their skills from attending this class. Uh, currently, we have 14 people waiting from the Classified Senate to participate in this program. So all six spots for classified staff are full for fall and spring. And then... Uh, we just had our a small holiday party yesterday for our classified group. About 50-ish people showed up. It was really nice to have the support of the administrators to allow release time for them to attend. It was nice to see the the unity and the morale and just people enjoying themselves and the stress is used. Um, and thank you 
to all the administrators that also showed up and said hello and, and participated. <laughs> um, and I think that's it for now. Thank you very much. Faculty Association Report, Denise Rosselli. Good evening. I apologize for being late, but I did something I don't typically do. I locked myself out of my office. <laughs> so I had to wait for public safety for the police officer to come and let me in my office. So I apologize for missing uh, the swearing-in <clears throat> excuse me, ceremony, and welcome to the new board members. Um, this will be my last meeting um, of the semester and end of the year. The, the president, Krista Iwamoto, will begin attending meetings in January. She was unable to attend this semester because she um, assumed the role of president um, mid-semester, and she ha is currently teaching. Um, so she will start in January. Uh, she did ask me, though, to convey that the association is planning um, for the new members and for the old members, too, um, to bring in information regarding um, the structure of the association, from the mothership, which is CTA, um, to its mothership, which is NEA, all the way down through CCA to the faculty association. So giving you the structure, the sort of how we fit into um, the, um, the union in terms of K-12 and um, community colleges. Also, uh, she will be providing you with the names of the board members as well as their roles and will be making herself available to answer any questions that you may have. Um, I did mention to her, Amy, that you had some questions about the part-time rep. And so we duly noted that, and she will be uh, providing information um, anytime anybody needs that or requests that. So um, happy holidays. Thank you very much, Denise. Moving on to item 10, Superintendent President's Report. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, several parts to this, and um, I'll, I'll go ahead and take it in order as, as we have it here and talk about the uh, Napa Valley College Foundation. Uh, Carolee, I don't know if they submitted a report, but I do have information here. Um, I have a few things from Gerardo, if you like. Or... Yeah, please. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, Gerardo, the president of the Napa Valley College Foundation, would like to... Um, I invite you all to an orientation and campus crawl for donors on March 17th. Uh, an invitation will be going out shortly, but if you could save the date. Um, there is a holiday party, as you know, the reception next week that you should have received your invitations for. Uh, the foundation has uh, hired a part-time program coordinator to assist us in the office. We're very excited about that. Um, her name is Marie Bayerjean. And um, the luncheon yesterday for uh, donor appreciation was uh, a warm and wonderful event that I think was uh, the first of many successful. Thank you. I also, uh, you know, in, the, in my president's report, I, I included a section on the Napa Valley College Foundation on that PDF and um, wanted to... Um, draw to the board's attention and also be released, generally speaking, that um, Foundation is doing just wonderful work. Um, they have met, they have two new subcommittees. One is a, a, a revenue kind of um, uh, resource development committee 
and they're really working to as as we as we've talked about here you know both in the community and and as a board in community friend raising and fundraising and recognize that their their strength and also one of their strong roles is um, connecting in the in the community for the college so um, they're anticipating a series of luncheons throughout the spring and throughout the next year that will be offered to invited guests through the um, through the foundation in the community, and then the the culminating ask, if you will, at that luncheon is not for donations, but to ask community members to um, tour the college and experience the different areas of, of of what we do, which we have affectionately called the campus crawl. Um, and um, we've had one which was you know um, incredibly successful. Um, the second subcommittee is the subcommittee for capital campaigns, and that. Um, subcommittee has been working for about a year and a half on several ideas. They're, they brought to the um, board executive committee their their thinking in terms of a new viticulture building, which they would like to help support and build. That building is already in the facilities master plan. They've um, gone a little bit farther than that and got some sketches and some drawings, and they're excited about bringing that forward. Um, that would be a purely private um, funding of of that um, building and and um, is a wonderful testament to working with the valley and vintners associations etc. So that will be coming forward. So that was the update that he wanted me to share. Um, I will start at the top then on mine. I'm not sure I can open it. I'll have Carolee open the PDF as she moves back. But I would say that there's a couple different pieces here, state and national level. Um, I did a report on the state ballot measure, um, Prop 51, that K-12 passed um, um, with 54% of the vote. Um, it, it says it provides community colleges with $2 billion support construction and some modernization. Not a lot, and Bob and I have talked about this, not a lot is going to flow to the community colleges, um, but there, it's possible that, um, you know, as it kind of trickles down and pieces pieces fall out, that our college may get um, a small portion of this. Um, it's, there's a lot of queued up um, projects. And by small portion, it would be just simply probably for modernization, I would think. Yeah, thank you, Bob. Um, the, the, I think the news generally, and I won't drill down on all these, but the news generally across the state, it was unusual 10 years ago or even five years ago for bonds to fail um, across um, the state. Several did not pass this time, but a good portion of them did pass. Voters are still leaning into um, capital, um, general obligation bonds for you know capital construction and modernization. So that's actually good news for the system, and and the chancellor's office reported on that. Um, the other piece of this is the the very bottom of this, um, the um, what I think they're calling the wealthy tax, wealthy income tax or rich tax, was also supported in Prop 55. That should, that will um, end up in dollars continuing to the to the college over a period of of years, and we don't have a good number for that yet. But we'll unpack that as we go. Unless you do at the top of your head, and I don't think I think so. Um, Post election apprehension, a lot of language um, has bounced around with uh, you know the kind of the um, the following the presidential election and the you know the the rhetoric of the campaign, um, the the state. Um, Chancellor's Office released a, a very nice, supportive document, I thought, and I released that as well. 
Um, many colleges and uh, up and down the state are kind of addressing it, and I think that um, we've got some energy around that, and we'll probably bring that back um, in January as well to the board to see if there's you know more that we'd like to discuss or act on um, in that fashion. But for right now, um, we've posted several statements, including one through Craig. Help me that, with that office. Inclusivity and diversity? No, that's wrong. Student equity and Equity and Inclusivity Office, yeah. It's changed names a couple of times. And Craig has reached out in several ways and through that office, and I have as well. And, and um, I think that we have, a, um, we have a good message for our students. Stay in school. Um, you're safe here. Continue, the, continue what you're doing, and we'll address those, those things as they fall out. And um, so that's, that's up and down the state. They're basically um, using that orientation. Um, really happy stuff. Streamlined credit course approval process. I talked to Diana today a little bit about this. Um, you'll recall over the years that as we proposed curriculum, it went through our curriculum process, which is um, faculty-driven. It, it, it really has to work its way through, which is fabulous. Um, gets approved here, and then we had to send it off to the chancellor's office and just wait. And that process is now changed with this streamlined um, credit course approval process. So we basically can certify this locally, and that is big news. So that, that means that as we work our curriculum and through the process, that we can, um, we can certify it here. That may be the wrong term. Diane, any more on that that, we, that I need? Kind of hit it? Thank you. And thanks for giving me the primer this afternoon. I appreciate that. A um, couple things on integration efforts you can read. Um, the only, there, there is a... The Board of Governance and the Chancellor were named as defendants um, with an AFT local against the, C the um, ACCJC. They're really the wrong party to be named in this, and the Chancellor's office has been very clear that they don't, you know, it's a, really a distraction from what's going on. I think the biggest piece for this for accreditation is the CEO accreditation work groups continue to meet. There's two CEO work groups that are working, one to keep the um, to work with the ACCJC or WASC. The other one is to consider alternatives. The state generally across the board, um, CEOs have, have, I think, pretty much agreed that we want to go with WASC Senior. Um, that process will keep us in, in the Western region, continue the same accreditation kind of general process, and it may be as fast as two years where we start to see some of our first schools, excuse me, our first schools kind of working their way through. For right now, our accreditation is absolutely the same, ACCJC. We're in solid shape. We'll have a seven-year accreditation, and our update is coming. Um, you'll hear later today in just a few minutes on this. Um, a report on associate degree for transfer. There's a couple links there for you to take a look at. ADTs are good. Um, generally, students across the state are not as aware of them as they should be. We do a really good job here, and I've, I've mentioned kudos to Oscar scheme, Melinda Tran just released a, a full report this week and new information. So if the board members or anyone else in the community has in, wants information on associate degree transfer, um, they can get it by contacting Melinda here or going to the, to the, um, the chancellor's site and taking a look at that. Um, there was a nice report on, on CTE health programs. Basically says um, exactly what it says here. A student who obtains a career technical credential in health increase their earnings by 50% on average after they complete, and they go up. It's just 
fabulous news, which says what we've been saying all along. Um, certifications in healthcare or all CTE almost always lead to higher wages and salaries and benefits right away. Um, and so you can read about that. You can see your smiley faces there, um, trustees. Just put it in here so it's um, for all poster- posterity, I guess. And last but not least is the ASL update. I put it in here. It was kind of late breaking, but and Eric um, was a, a bit late. Um, but he has been out of town with his um, family emergencies. So I reported it here. Um, as you can see, it, it, there's a recap in the first part of what we talked about last time. And on the second page, I've talked with um, the Vice President of Instruction and, and the Language Department. And basically, we are pleased to report that we're in the process of hiring. We believe this is going to happen. Um, you know, you, you never know in terms of HR. Um, but um, we're, we're in the process of hiring somebody with the depths of experience um, who has a coordinator and curriculum background. Um, that will allow us to review the curriculum and also re- review the pedagogy during during the semester. Um, also, we really heard and listened to um, the the requests from the community last time, and um, the, and, and the board er- encouraged and urged um, staff to look at this. We did, so we're really happy to to um, also lean into this and and schedule. We believe we're scheduling a 120. We're not quite sure or a 121 for the, this spring. It will go back on schedule um, very soon. So that was a good response. I, I'm, I laud the board for listening and, and uh, leaning in to um, the recommendations on this, and we feel very good about it. There's still, as you can hear and see, um, miscommunication and not thorough communication on it, but I think based on today and especially this report as it goes out and inquiries, and you might, um, in your in your roles as trustees, reinforce that for folks who now know that it, it is being offered and, and will be reviewed. Um, last piece is of the president's report is the public information. I'm not sure. Can you cue this up or no? Do we think? Yeah. I'd like you to look at something. Let's see whether we can make it work. Napa Valley College turned my life around. By showing me new opportunities for success. I received a top quality college education without going into debt. Napa Valley College is affordable and flexible. I completed all of my undergraduate class requirements. While gaining inspiration, passion, and a desire for learning. And fulfilled my dream of attending UC Berkeley. The decision to attend Napa Valley College led to a better future. Napa Valley College is rated California's number one community college. It's where knowledge is shared and success is earned. And where today's inspiration leads to tomorrow's achievements. Round of applause. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, Doug, you want to uh, you want to address this a little bit, Mr. Ernst? Yes, thank you, sir. And then we're, uh, Doug has to leave a bit early, so I I jumped um, through accreditation. We're coming back at that, Robin. So I didn't forget. Uh, a nod to the faculty for uh, putting up with that videographer. 
yes. uh, this fall, uh, people put their work aside to give him what he needed. Uh, what so, do we see, Doug? What, what, use, what will this be used for? Well, it's on YouTube, so the world will see it. They'll be watching it in Zimbabwe tonight. That's right. There you go. Um, it'll be on our website, and we can use it anywhere we want. You know, We can use it for all of our publicity that we, we send out to the media. I'd like the register to put it on their website. You know, we'll, we'll work on that. We'll get it out there. Uh, <clears throat> I want to say one thing about the clipping service, the report. If you scroll down about midway, there's uh, an online magazine called, uh, I think it's called uh, Hospitality Careers Magazine. And they did a sta- they did a real fine job uh, talking to Merrick McCaig about the hospitality uh, growth in the Napa Valley and how the college is instrumental in helping that uh, develop there. So, you know, all all praise to Merrick for doing that kind of interview. I helped him a little bit, uh, preparing him for the reporter, but he did a wonderful job. If you see Merrick, you might say, great job, because that that kind of publicity helps us become a destination campus. Thank you, Doug. Um, um, Great work uh, uh, continually. If you if you will scroll down and take a look in the in the future um, at your leisure at these we had a lot of great press that highlighted programs, um, police program, the hospitality program, um, the welding program. It, you know, it was a very solid home run in our classes, highlighting faculty and the the great work we do here. So, and excellent excellent job. Thank you so much, um, Robin is part of the uh, President's Report. I'm going to present um, an accreditation update for you. Okay. Uh, good evening, board, and I want to introduce myself, particularly for the new board members. Uh, my name is Robin Warnell, and I am the Dean of Research, Planning, and Institutional Effectiveness, which is a bit of a mouthful, so we just shorten it and we call it RIPI, so R-P-I-E. Uh, So uh, since last spring, I have been providing uh, the board with regular either monthly or bi-monthly updates on our progress related to the follow-up report that is due to the Accrediting Commission for Community and Junior Colleges, or the ACCJC, uh, by March 15, 2017. Uh, Our standard practice has been that I provide an update that's focused on the progress that's been made since the last board report, and so I'm going to continue in that spirit tonight. Um, We've had two accreditation steering committee meetings since the last board meeting, and those are noted on the slide. And also, as noted on the slide, our meeting agendas include basically three components. Um, First, there's an update from me uh, as the accreditation liaison officer, or ALO. Uh, That tends to be followed by the updates from our three leads related to uh, recommendations one, three, oops, sorry, one, five, and nine. And then uh, finally, we round out our meetings with an opportunity for discussion among the uh, steering committee members. Um, So tonight I'll be summarizing some of the highlights from the November and December accreditation steering committee meetings. Um, So first, in terms of uh, my, the ALO report, um, we've established a website uh, for the follow-up report or a portion of the accreditation website now has a link to um, our follow-up progress Um, just like we had for the um, self-evaluation report a couple of years ago. Um, So, so far that website includes uh, membership from the, uh, of the Accreditation Steering Committee and then the updates for the campus community that have been circulated via email 
uh, one in September and one in November. Um, we are also intending to develop that uh, website further as we move forward. Um, for instance, we will be posting the draft of the follow-up report uh, for campus review early next semester uh, following the Accreditation Steering Committee's initial review of portions of the document. Um, so as was our practice for the self-evaluation report, those will be posted on the website, but they will be password protected, meaning that you need to have um, MVC credentials via your uh, email username and password, and then you can access those when the time comes. It's not there now. We'll keep you notified. Um, the steering committee also reviewed a draft of the report preparation section of the follow-up report, which is one of the components that's required uh, for a follow-up report. And then finally, we, re we reviewed some materials that the ACCJC has provided um, describing some of the standards of evidence that should be submitted in support of our follow-up report. So here are a few highlights from Recommendation 1, which is our SLO assessment-related recommendation. Uh, the Learning Outcomes Assessment Coordinators have been communicating with faculty regularly uh, this semester. Um, those have been going according to a communication activity schedule that was established by the Academic Senate in spring of 2016. Um, that Those communications are intended to ensure that planned assessment activities are completed uh, on time this semester. Um, and from what I have heard, uh, faculty are very appreciative of the reminders as they help keep everyone on task, especially in light of the upcoming January 4th snapshot date. Uh, the SLO uh, assessment coordinators have also been continuing to offer trainings throughout the semester. Uh, most recently on December 1st, they had a focused training on planning level, or sorry, program level planning, and that is um, as part of the upcoming 2017 2018 uh, planning and uh, budgeting cycle. Uh, and finally, the outcomes assessment coordinators are working with LOAC to revamp the outcomes assessment website, and that will include uh, more resources for faculty, including some training videos that they've been working on. That, that portion of the website, I should say, has not undergone LOAC review yet, and so it's not made public, but it is under development. What's LOAC? Oh, good question. Uh, <laughs> The Learning Outcomes Assessment Committee. So it is a uh, academic senate uh, committee that is tasked with overseeing uh, outcomes assessment type of activities and training. Okay, uh, recommendation five, which concerns the evaluation of personnel. Um, overdue evaluations continue to be completed and submitted to HR. Uh, also, the classified and administrative confidential groups have been discussing the use of outcomes assessment results and incorporating those into the evaluation for appropriate staff who are directly responsible for student learning, and that includes academic administrators, um, so that in conversations with the district about that. And then finally, um, we're exploring options for facilitating the more timely completion of evaluation by administrators, um, and that includes online submission through uh, NeoGov. And finally, for Recommendation 9 concerning financial planning, um, we are anticipating uh, updates related to three resource-related uh, plans. Uh, first, the Facilities Master Plan, or FMP, is nearing completion. Um, the one piece that I think we're waiting on is the Scheduled Maintenance Plan, which will be incorporated into the FMP. And then uh, there are drafts of two other plans that will be sent out to um, the appropriate committees for review this week. So the technology plan will be going to the 
Technology Committee for review this week. Uh, and then the um, one portion of the fiscal plan, which is the three-year fiscal plan, will be um, sent to the Budget Committee members also this week. Uh, so finally, I'm ending out with the timeline, and this um, focuses on the upcoming uh, next um, three or four months uh, from January to March or April. So um, the snapshot date that I referenced earlier, which will be um, how we draft the report, uh, is based on the snapshot as of January 4th. Um, following that snapshot date or based on that, I will then be drafting the follow-up report in January and working closely with uh, the three leads. I've already scheduled weekly meetings beginning as early as next week before we all take off for vacation so that I can <laughs> have my list of things to do ready for me when we return. Um, the Accreditation Steering Committee will be reviewing drafts of the follow-up report on January 30th and February, 5th, February 13th. And I did, uh, and again, that's before they will go out then um, to the campus community for review through the website. Um, I realized the extreme tightness of the <laughs> the review timeline today, so uh, we are um, trying to get another um, meeting date scheduled for January so that we can start to push these drafts out at least section by section um, a little earlier than we had originally planned. Um, the campus community will then review um, the drafts following uh, the steering committee's review in February. Uh, it will the um, report will be um, submitted to the board of trustees for approval at the March 9th meeting, so that then we can get the follow-up report, uh, including the certification page and all of the associated evidence submitted to the ACCJC as well as our team members uh, by the March 15th deadline. And finally, um, the ACCJC staff is working with Ron to identify uh, the one day of our follow-up visit, which will be one day sometime in the period of March 15th through April 20th. And so that's the end of my update, and I'm happy to answer any questions. questions? So, this was in my board report, but it's kind of related to accreditation, and I, I think you were leading the effort on this. Um, a while back, we... We're going through the process of looking at updating the mission statements, um, and one of the a lot of the questions had to do with trying to bring it into alignment with accreditation standards, um, and all sorts of you know surveys were put out, and apparently there were a lot of responses. I responded, and we never heard anything more about that. And I'm just wondering if you could update us on that. Right. So, um, so the reason we were doing the review of the mission statement that began last year and did involve um, a survey is that. Um, it's part of our, our locally defined process that we will review it at least every three years. We also review data annually to see if there are any you know, mid-course adjustments that are needed there. Um, it was not highlighted it, um, for um, as an as a area um, for us to focus on it. regarding the standards. It was part of our own defined, you know, um, working the plans that we've laid out for ourselves. So it has a little less of a sense of urgency than others. Um, we um, did have a planning committee subcommittee working on that, overseeing the survey and, um, you know, reviewing the comments, and they did come up with a, dr a draft for a possible revision. Then we broke for the, for the summer academic year ended. We now have a new subcommittee that's working on it. They um, want to uh, work on instilling or infusing a little more, um, more heart into it, I guess, to make it uh, more, um, you know, reflective of our character as Napa Valley College. So... Um, the jury's still out on it. Work continues, but it's not one of the areas for urgency. Thank you. Thank you so much. It isn't the end of my report. 
because and these guys were just too gentlemanly to say anything, or you thought maybe I'm off the hook. I don't know. Uh, so I'm so sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we, you know, I know, I know. So with that, let's. Yeah, Bob is leaning forward. He's ready. Yeah, I'm sorry. Thank you so much. I'm so sorry for that. Thank you. <laughs> so it's been a pretty busy week in institutional technology. Um, over the weekend, we uh, did a conversion of student logins um, and passwords. But the most significant thing that happened over the weekend was that students now have Office 365 accounts, which means that they have access to all of the Microsoft Office features. And most importantly, they have uh, Napa Valley College email addresses. Um, and so a, a big step forward. Um, I have to publicly recognize Daniel Vega and Jose Sanchez from our institutional technology department who were here until 8 o'clock Friday evening from 8 a.m. until 8 p.m. on Saturday and from 8 a.m. on Sunday morning until 5 p.m. on Monday afternoon um, making this all happen, and it wouldn't have happened without them. Now, um, wasn't as seamless as we would have liked, you know, as I've uh, as I reported to uh, Instruction Council, an effort this big always has challenges, and there were a few surprises and a few things that broke that we didn't anticipate breaking. Um, but we believe we have restored all of those linkages at this point. And so, um, as I say, all of our students now have uh, – this leads us toward the ability to implement Portal, which would be one single point of entry and one single sign-on for all of our uh, uh, all of our student systems uh, at the college. And so the big news is that we do now have uh, email accounts for all of our students. Thanks, Bob. Oscar? Security, you pull up the information, please. What I what we prepared for you today is just two two items. Uh, but first, I wanted uh, to just congratulate our new board members, uh, Ms. Baker and Ms. Segura, and Mr. Rios. Also to you, congratulations. Um, what I what I think I'll be doing for the next few board meetings is I'll I'll, I'll be providing you with information on on the services with Student Affairs, just to give you a better idea in terms of what what all is is, is in Student Affairs. But today what I've done is that I uh, want to give you just a, a glimpse in terms of what the Office of Student Affairs does in terms of the responsibilities of, of, uh, of their operation within the institution. Um, again, the office is, is in the 1300 building. Uh, the activities uh, that we're responsible for there uh, in there include the, the commencement. One of the big pieces is student discipline um, as well as other functions. And again, uh, this is give just an eye view, a, bird, a bird's eye view of the activities that are within the, the operation. Um, and, um, and the next one, please. This this next item uh, is is a, is a bit more exciting, in that uh, we have one of the departments within Student Affairs, which is called the Welcome Center, and they have been responsible for the most part, right, for the last year, of organizing, uh, scheduling, and coordinating um, campus visits. And as well as other outreach activities, which is which is uh, I would say probably seventy percent of the outreach activities, outreach activities that are that are conducted for Napa College are done through the Office of Student Affairs. In this case, the the information that I'm sharing is that in this this fall semester, it gives you an idea of, of the campus visits that that we have sponsored. We believe very strongly with the Student Affairs 
that it's important to share the experience of, 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 a, of a college setting in order to, to provide those individuals. In this case, we have families, we have students, we have, we have high school students, uh, we have middle school students, to offer them the opportunity to really see what, what a college is. And so we have, uh, at times, we, we have sacrificed our, our staff to ensure that we do um, that, that we do arrange and that we can comply with the requests that we have. As you see, there's been a number of requests we've had this, this fall semester. We have a couple of visits that are also scheduled for, for, for this month. Uh, and again, uh, that, that first block of information for the fall of 216 uh, shows you that uh, we will have about 770 individuals that will come on our campus, many, many of these individuals for, for the first time. And again, we, we believe very strongly that it's important to, to share what we have at, at this college and uh, make a decision point that, that we believe that it should be. Um, for spring of 2017, we have other visits uh, that we have scheduled. And these, this has become a, a regular re request by our middle schools here locally with our school district area, but also now from schools outside of, of, of our area. Um, and again, it just goes to show how many individuals and students are really seeking uh, to attend at Nepa College and find out what we have here. Uh, so for, for right now, we have uh, six or seven tours that are scheduled for the spring, which we anticipate will bring us about 393 students or thereabouts. Again, this is one, one small list because we anticipate there will be another, at least under two or three schools that will be asking us to, to provide them a campus tour. Uh, and, and the third part uh, is the partial list of, 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 uh, of off-campus activities that Student Affairs has been involved in. One of them is something that's called uh, that it's almost like a pilot. We're, we're, uh, this, this Saturday morning, we'll be spending about five hours at Village High School on something that's called Super Saturday. My understanding is that Super Saturday is, is, uh, is our Saturdays that the school district here in Napa has set aside to provide services to students for those who need to make up any units uh, or for other activities. And so Village High School has asked us to assist them with providing the, the assessment, the placement test, to see where their students might might land in terms of uh, the math and, and, and English courses that they will be taking here in, in the future. So we'll be testing 100 students uh, this this Saturday. We have members, uh, staff members from, from the testing center. We have uh, staff from, from other areas who will be assisting us to ensure that, that, uh, that, that this service will be provided. Um, we have also been to Santa High School. Santa High School had asked us to also attend uh, a presentation and serve uh, some 27 of the students to assist them with, with first of all, making certain that they, that they complete the online application properly because the online application uh, was changed about a year ago. Uh, and now it's a format that's used by the chancellor's office, and it's uh, about seven or eight or nine pages long, so it can be a bit uh, complex. So they had asked us to, to, to assist their students with making certain that the application is completed pro properly, and so... Therefore, uh, uh, well, well done. So, so that makes it easier for them to to navigate our system here. So, we have those activities that are that are going on, and this is just a partial list of them. But, uh, but more importantly, just uh, as I mentioned, I want to give you just a just a short view of what we have. And uh, at future board meetings, I'll be asking, or I'll be bringing information from our council division, from our from from, from from our financial aid operation, from the other thirteen or so areas that uh, that encompass and they compose uh, student affairs. Yes. Um, 
you mentioned the, the high schools are, or I think you said vintage was using the Saturdays to do Sorry. placement tests. Um, could high schools use those Saturdays to do FAFSAs? Would would that be an option for those Saturdays to kind of to have college representatives come and help students with their FAFSA? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I want to talk to you about that. Yeah, that's fine. Oscar? And, yes. Um, so the middle school tours, is that part of the talent search program or is that no, even? No, really. It's 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 independent of the uh, talent search. Once in a while brings a group of students, but talent search serves like 668 students. So that's a large group. No, these are these are uh, schools that have called us. And actually, uh, we started this about uh, about three years ago. Uh, we invited them, and they took us up on our offer. And so now it's become something that they would like for us to provide them on a regular basis every year. And if you saw the excitement uh, on the kids' faces when they actually leave, get off the bus and actually feel that they're on a college campus, it's 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 really impressive. I think this is part of that whole. Uh, you know the whole idea of planting that seed of education, and I think Napa College has been has done a, a very good job at that. Um, but no, it's it's something that they they've asked us to to, to do, and uh, we provided that that, that that service. Any questions? Excellent, thank you. Now, anybody else? I think I'm done. Right? Okay, thank you. Oh. Great. Uh, Dr. Kraft, just, oh, I'm sorry, just one more thing. Really? Um, okay, thanks. Well, yeah. Sorry about that. Uh-huh. Uh, actually, uh, to, uh, as, as tomorrow, Friday, um, probably for the first time, I would say probably, uh, well, I've been here for 11 years, probably the first time in, in 10 years or so, uh, both the, the structural council, which are the members uh, that, that represent the structural side of the house, as well as, as, as our council, he serves on that, on, on, on that council. Uh, Along with the Student Affairs Council, will have a, a retreat. It's a joint retreat, and the purpose of this retreat is to sort of better align ourselves, better integrate our our, our ourselves as a, as two of the major areas within within the college. And so, uh, uh, Eric every Shear is very supportive of this of this idea and this uh, and this venture, and we look forward to to being something that's going to create uh, more understanding, more bonding. And uh, it should be fun as well. So that's uh, Friday, tomorrow from uh, 9 to about 3.30 or so. 11.0 approval of minutes, specifically 11.1, regular board meeting of 10th of November. There is minutes and then a revised. We're looking for approval. Maybe no, no, no changes. We'll... Uh, oh. we'll uh, Accept as presented, revised, and moving to informational discussion items under 12, information discussion item 12.1, Institutional Effectiveness Partnership in Initiative, IEPI, and none better to explain all these acronyms and what it means is Dr. Robin Warnell. Thank you much, very much. My life is acronyms. Uh. Okay, so I am here tonight to summarize the results of the Institutional Effectiveness Partnership Initiative, or IEPI, IEPI. Um, their PERT, which is a PRT, which is the Partnership Resource Team, um, visited us uh, 
on November 14th, and I'm here to summarize the results of that. Um, so first of all, you will recall that IEPI is a new initiative from the Chancellor's Office that was introduced a couple of years ago. And one component of IEPI is that it provides an opportunity for all California community colleges to request a partnership resource team or a PERT of peers from the California Community College system to review practices, visit the campus, uh, share suggestions for improvement, and then work with our own faculty and staff to develop an innovation and effectiveness plan. Um, so the backup information for this agenda item includes a link to the website that has been established for, NI, uh, for Napa Valley College's IEPI project. Um, and let's see, I can just maybe show you the website really fast. So if you go under the institutional planning portion of the web webpage, then this button over here has the access to the Institutional Effectiveness Partnership Initiative project that we established for our own page. Um, so right now the page includes the treatment document, which identified the areas of focus. Um, that we requested the uh, PERT to come help us with, and the area of focus is strengthening integration of planning and resource allocation practices um, and areas for improvement that we had identified within, um, well, kind of drilling down uh, within uh, planning and resource allocation. And then also um, the website includes the uh, partnership resource team's reflections um, based on their review of our documents and what they heard during discussion among faculty and staff um, the day that they were here, November 14th. And so that's posted uh, with the PowerPoint that they um, presented at the end of their day. Um, so for the visit, let me go back to this, sorry. Um, so for the visit, the team applied the following approach. They um, based their review, based on their review of, their, of our treatment document, they identified three clusters um, to help structure their work. And those are, are identified in the slide. The three areas were planning and evaluation, planning and resource allocation, and then SLO assessment and the use of data. And they basically organized the day around those three themes. So um, per the team suggestion, all Napa Valley College participants met with the team in one room to have an open discussion, uh, which was framed as an opportunity to share our perspectives on MVC's practices and the areas for improvement identified in the treatment document. Uh, participation among um, the, the PERT, the PERT uh, um, that was assigned to MVC um, has eight members identified, and that includes a balance between faculty and administrators. And uh, five of the PERT members attended the first visit, but the, we anticipate all eight will be here for the second visit, and, and they've all read our document and have been working behind the scenes. Uh, 33 members of the campus community participated in the meeting, and that included faculty, classified staff, students, and administrators, uh, members of the planning committee, the budget committee, the learning outcomes assessment committee, uh, cabinet, and constituent group leaders all participated in the day. So uh, what I'm here to do is provide some additional drill down regarding the three reflections that were outlined in the team's PowerPoint. Uh, so first, PERT reflection number one was simplify, simplify, simplify. And the team noted a tendency for us to spend a lot of time designing or even over-designing our processes and waiting until we get them just perfectly and just so before we roll them out. Um, 
And they came up with that, the Simplify reflection based on a lot of participants indicated that our systems are just too complicated and they hinder our progress unintentionally. So as outlined in the slide, the team um, indicated that the simplification is really one of the keys to effectiveness. Uh, they encouraged us to focus on the what and the why versus the how and the who. Um, so in other words, they want, um, encouraged us to focus on the content or the purpose or focus on um, what something means for student success rather than getting bogged down in the process. Um, they also encouraged us to position ourselves to be more agile as an institution, um, experiment and refine through iterative processes, and um, as the team suggested, if we don't give a new idea a try, then we don't know whether it works or not or is it is a good idea or not, but at least we can learn something from testing it out and then um, refining as necessary. Um, through IIPI, the Chancellor's Office is offering a series of professional development opportunities and workshops, and they've developed a personal learning uh, network for sharing resources, again, in terms of the peer support aspect of IIPI. Um, so last month, five members of the planning committee attended a workshop on integrated planning, and I thought I would share the Society for College and University Planning's uh, definition of integrated planning with you, so I'm just going to read through it. Uh, integrated planning is the linking of vision, priorities, people, and the physical institution in a flexible system of evaluation, decision-making, and action. It shapes and guides the entire organization as it evolves over time and within its community. And the reason I'm including this here is that, um, in my mind, the agility aspect of the reflection number one from the team uh, really reflects the uh, flexibility referenced in this definition provided by SCOOP. Um, and also, some of, some of the introductory materials that uh, we received from the workshop have already been, plant, been shared with our own planning committee, and we're going to provide more discussion, more opportunity for discussion among the planning committee of these items uh, next semester. Uh, reflection number two from the PERT uh, concerned communication, engagement, and closing the loop. And some of the drill down that they provided then, uh, for this item was that MVC really values participation and decision making, and we all appreciate receiving information. And the um, ways that we demonstrate that, that were cited by the team, are that we have a willingness to make difficult decisions, and we uh, are also willing to participate in campus and uh, academic senate committees. Um, however, there are a few areas for us to improve on, including um, closing the loop and reporting back out, and developing effective mechanisms for meaningful communication within that. Um, as the team noted, this reflection is really about more than just communication. It's about engagement in the process, and they encouraged us to tr transition to more of a shared responsibility model. And I should say that a similar theme came out of the IEPI, uh, the integrated planning workshop that uh, a few of us attended, um, as that they, they were encouraging discussions around um, ownership versus buy-in, and the idea is that ownership or engagement is, is a much more active process and that you're actually living it, so not just kind of checking the box that you were informed of a decision. Uh, finally, uh, reflection number three concerned implementation. Um, so as I mentioned before, we have a tendency to be perfectionists and wait until all the details are ironed out before we implement changes. Uh, the team encouraged us to adopt a more formative approach um, in which we could implement some improvements in areas that are relatively easy or straightforward 
while we continue working on other more complicated issues. Um, they also indicated that we should regularly evaluate our existing practices and documents for effectiveness. And um, they did acknowledge, and you might have caught on to this a little bit, that there's a lot of intersection and overlap between this reflection and the others. Um, and again, they encourage us to get to the what and the why, um, and focusing on the process tends to paralyze the what and the why. And with in increased engagement should come increased willingness to implement changes sooner and experiment together. Um, some additional highlights and some initial suggestions from the PERT team included um, that we evaluate both our committee and council structures and create a, a common understanding of those around, around those structures. Um, expand practices that we know to be effective within our own organization. And finally, the team conveyed the urgency of SLO assessment work. And they suggested reviewing, reviewing the Learning Outcome Assessment Committee's responsibilities and authority and focusing on the quality of assessment and its implications for student learning and making it a more uh, meaningful exercise for the organization rather than being about compliance issues. Uh, so finally, for the, per the team will be visiting us again. They will return for a second visit in early February. And during that visit, they'll spend the day working with a small group of MEC faculty and staff. And they will be offering suggestions for us to consider, what IAP calls a menu of options. Um, and the deliverable from the MVC work group next semester will be this innovation and effectiveness plan, or at least um, the draft of that plan um, to get the ball rolling. Um, the plan is likely, the, is likely to emerge um, from this process based on um, the, uh, the reflections of the team. Um, it will likely reflect the three strands that were included in our uh, quality focus essay. The, those are the three action plans that we ident identified or outlined in the self-evaluation report from um, 2015. And those three strands are SLO assessment, the integration of planning and resource allocation, and then institutional effectiveness in terms of evaluation and review. So any questions? No questions. Um, just, how long has this program been available? Uh, so they started it in 1415, um, and there are some other components of it that we'll get to <laughs> probably in the spring uh, in terms of um, the institution establishing aspirational goals, but um, this this piece is, I think, where a lot of the action is right now in terms of, um, you know, identifying effective practices, learning from peers, figuring out what went well with their implementations, how we can learn from them to avoid the same pitfalls and, you know, not reinvent the wheel. And the people that are on the team come from a variety of yeah. different organizations. Yeah, the Chancellor's Office, uh, IAP has a process where anyone can um, sub submit, uh, indicate that their um, areas of, expertise and what they might be willing what types of teams they might be willing to serve on and then that's how they form their kind of database of experts and people that are willing to be put on teams and then so all of you are going to reciprocate right <laughs> <laughs> when we have some free or when I have some free time I don't know when that will be but thank you very much appreciate it Dr. Robin. moving to 13 item 13 which is consent calendar in its uh, entirety. Um, anything to pull? Otherwise, your consent will approve as presented. And I look to be approved as presented on 13, uh, Carol Lane. 
Moving on to 14, the action items. 14-1, a 2017-18 academic calendar. Move to approve. Second. Approved and properly seconded. Uh, we'll do this electronically. Unanimous in favor. Thank you very much. 14-2, approved contract with Inland Business Systems to provide new copy machines for the Napa Valley College print shop. Moved and properly seconded. Uh, seeing no questions, we will vote electronically. I'm sorry, who seconded the motion? Sorry. also passes unanimously. Thank you very much. Moving to 14.3, this is the 2015-2016 Napa Valley Community College District Audit Report. It's a nice uh, bound <coughs> report at your desk, on your left. And uh, it's Parker's office, and here is our auditor. Good evening. Good evening. My name is Ben Levitt. I'm a partner at CWDL CPAs, the district's auditor. Happy to be here with you tonight. I'm going to be speaking to the results of the 15-16 annual audit. I'm going to go quickly through the report, just kind of cover it at a high level, uh, look at some highlights, and then at the end I'll open for any questions that you might have on any part of the report or any aspect of our procedures performed throughout the year. I just want to start uh, by directing your attention to the independent auditor's report, which is the very first uh, page and second page within the report. And on that second page, um, this is the only part that I'll read verbatim. I know it's a big document. In the opinions paragraph at the top of the second page, just want to read aloud. In our opinion, the financial statements referred to above present fairly in all material respects the respective financial position of Napa Valley Community College District as of June 30, 2016, and the respective changes in financial position and where applicable cash flows thereof for the year then ended in accordance with accounting principles generally accepted in the United States of America. That is an unmodified opinion. It is the highest quality opinion an auditor can render and essentially states that based upon our procedures performed for the year ended June 30, 2016, in our opinion, these financial statements can be relied upon by the district and all of its stakeholders. Um, so effectively, from our perspective as an auditor, that is the most important part of the report. And that leads into management's discussion and analysis, where we look at some analytical year-over-year -year financial information for the district. And there, I just want to direct your attention real quickly to page six, where at a real high level, we're looking at the financials, the government-wide financials, which includes the, it, it has the, fund financials baked in, 
but also includes long-term activity, like the capital assets, long-term debt, and those pension liabilities that we talked about so much last year. This is showing that from the year ended June 30, 2015, into this year uh, that ended June 30, 2016, even though the district's financial position is still significantly negative based upon uh, the restatement caused last year from taking on that pension liability, the financial position has improved by just over $3 million. So a positive trend there relative to last year, going from a negative $30.8 million uh, up to uh, a negative $27.8 million. Moving from there, I want to direct your attention into the core financial statements, um, starting on page 12 with the statement of net position. This is going to show the year ended June 30, 2016, in quite a bit more detail. Um, as you probably know, the district's financials in this report are going to include not just the district, but also the VWT Foundation, the Auxiliary Services Foundation, the College Foundation is presented in its own separate report. Um, but here we're going to break out um, the current and long-term assets and liabilities. We're also going to show in detail the weight of the net pension liability that was principally brought on last year and is going to be changed up and down um, from year to year, kind of as we go forward. Um, we can see that under non-current liabilities, that massive $29.457 million amount um, that, was, that was brought on related to the combined district's proportionate share of the PERS and the STRS um, statewide uh, pension fund liability. So, I mean, when we look at that number by itself, uh, if not for that, the district would actually be in a, a positive net position. And I just want uh, for this board to know that many districts are in uh, a negative, varying uh, levels of negative net position as a direct result of that accounting pronouncement that came out last year. Uh, soon to be followed by another accounting pronouncement taking on additional liability related to the other post-employment benefits that's going to come out uh, for the year ended June 30, 2017. So more to come. Um, but something that was required across the country and has had quite an impact on balance sheets, but I will add that credit agencies seem to have learned quickly and uh, have taken into account the fact that this is system-wide. This is no one district that's uniquely experiencing this situation. Um, so moving on from the core financials into the notes to the financials, those are going to give perspective on all those detailed balances um, from talking about the organization of the district into the cash, um, long-term debt, long-term assets, um, items like that to be able to shed additional light and detail. One note that I would like to point out is... Can we, can we put this oh, yeah. up for people who are in the audience yeah, and absolutely. scroll to me, the pages that you're talking about? I am... Let me, let me see. Uh, the, the page that I was heading to is document page 55. I'm talking about the people who are in the audience. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's, that's a really good idea. Not that they can really read it, but at least they know where we're at, and plus it will help me keep up, too, because I was losing you. Yeah. I, I 
can't go fast. Feel free to slow me down or ask any question. That's not a problem. Um, I wanted to bring your attention to this page because a restatement footnote is a significant one. Um, it basically represents a change from the prior year audited balance. And here, there's a restatement to beginning balance to decrease it by $1.094 million in order to recognize an overstatement of a receivable. Um, based upon the process for recording a receivable, there was an inadvertent duplication of a receivable, which created uh, the overstatement, which is corrected through this restatement. Um, I just wanted to bring that to your attention. So then moving on from the notes to the financials, uh, we go into the required supplementary information starting on page 56, which is going to give some information on the other post-employment benefits, and then on 57 and 58, some detail on the district's proportionate share of that massive net pension liability and the contributions that the district made for the years ended 2016 and 2015. And then past that, in the supplementary information, more required schedules. Um, we've got the district's organizational chart, um, some information on federal and state awards, uh, the FTES detail. And then going past that, starting on page 67, we go into the other independent auditor's reports, the first one being over internal controls and compliance, and then the next over federal and state compliance. These reports essentially cover um, our procedures performed at interim and year-end, where in addition to opining on the fairness of the financial statements, we're also looking at controls in place in a number of different areas of federal and state compliance, outlined both by the federal government through OMB circulars as well as uh, state compliance uh, put out through the Chancellor's Office and the annual updates to the CDAM manual. And through that, we do note one comment, which I'd like to bring to your attention pertaining to state compliance, which is written up on page document page 76. This is a finding that pertains to one of the procedures, procedure 427, that we look at in the contract district audit manual put out by the Chancellor's Office, which states it's, it's actually got quite a few requirements um, to test in 427. But one of them is that for those special admit students, those K-12 uh, special admit students that are enrolled in over 11.99 units that are classified as full-time special admin students, admit students, that the district is required to evaluate and assess uh, enrollment fees. And we noted, um, based upon an initial selection, um, and then an expanded selection that during the year under audit that this did not take place um, for there were eight uh, additional, so nine students identified that qualified as a full-time equivalent um, special admin students for whom enrollment fees were not assessed. Uh, so we recommended that the district perform system queries to be able to evaluate for this, develop a process to evaluate um, to determine which students are meeting these criteria, and then um, ensure that going forward, so long as this compliance procedure stays in effect for California community college districts, that those students meeting that criteria be charged enrollment fees. Based on working with management, um, the district agreed with the finding and has put procedures into place um, to ensure that for all years going forward where the chancellor's office is requiring 
that special admit students over 11.99 units be assessed fees um, that will take place. So based upon that response, we have confidence that this finding will be implemented uh, in the 17 audit year. Nonetheless, it will definitely be something that we'll be testing for when we come out at interim uh, into next year. So we'll be taking a close look at this. Into the uh, prior findings, you'll note that both 2015-1 and 2015-2, uh, per the results of our testing this year, have been implemented. Um, so those findings do not appear um, as current year findings in this report. And with that, I'd like to open for any questions that any of you have on, on this report or any of our procedures that we performed during the fiscal year. Any questions from the board? Yes. Go ahead, please. Um, Amy? So you, you noted that the, that you, did you do the audits for DAS and for the BWT Foundation, or are those done by another agency? Correct. Our firm did those audits as well. Okay. So uh, are those ever included in these audit, in the, the big audit, and presented to the board and the other districts that you work for? Do you work for other community college districts? Yes, we do. So are those um, typically presented all together to the board, or do you see it in this way where only the, the big audit goes to the board and the other two audits don't go before the board? It varies. I'd say typically, in, in my experience, the district audit always goes to the board. Um, some boards request for the, the other kind of subsidiary audits to be presented to the, the main board as well. Other boards uh, choose for them to really stay at those different entities at that level. So the foundations would, would go directly to the foundation boards if they requested it. Um, and the main district board members may request a copy of the report, but it, it's really up to board member preference. I guess. Could um, I, I'm sorry, could I, could oh, I speak yeah. to that? So this is the first year that we have separate audits for the VWT Foundation <laughs> and for the DAS Foundation. And so this district audit needs to be uh, presented and accepted by the board. It's a state requirement that we have that done by, by December, which is why it's coming to the board meeting um, tonight. What our plan is with the VWT Foundation Report and the DAS um, uh, Foundation Report is that those would first be presented to those boards, so VWT Board and the DAS Board, and then the Board of Trustees representatives from the, who sit on those boards would then bring those audits back to this full board as an information item to, to uh, inform the board. Yeah, I, I have concern about that. I, I, I don't think that um, a rep from the board can present an audit in the way, for example, somebody that did the audit could present the audit. And I also I, I've pulled up a document we got from our attorney a while back that talked about the differences between an auxiliary foundation and an independent foundation. And one of the things that it said was the difference is that the um, with the auxiliary foundations that they must have an audit um, that meets the Title V, you know, IRS regulations, but also that it must provide the audit report to the district, um, not to the board, but to the district. And the administration, this board is the district. So um, I, I think it legally, I think that it needs to be presented to us, but also I just think common sense-wise, it's part of our fiduciary responsibility. We're responsible for those funds, just like we're responsible with the, the general fund. Um, and as people have mentioned, um, I think it was Diana Chavoti mentioned, um, at one time those monies would have been in the general fund. 
Um, now they're separate, but we're still responsible for them, and I'd like to see those audits presented by an auditor who did the audit to this board so that we can approve it and adopt it. I, and, I mean, personally, in the, in the future, I'd like just to see them combined. I, I'm sure it's more expensive to, to bring him out twice, um, but since we didn't do that, um, I, I, I think that an auditor needs to present the audit, not a trustee representative. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll just weigh in real quickly. I think in for this, I hear what you're saying, Amy. In terms of this cycle, we, we need to move forward like we are. And and I would clarify that the, the the trustee is not a representative, but a board member of the DAS board and a board member of BWT. So they actually sit as a director. And so bringing them back would would be um, as a director of that board to to this board. So let's, we could. What I'd say is, see how it goes, see how it feels when, well, the, when you're. I'd like to check out by council because, like I said, what it said there was that by law, the audit report for the auxiliary foundations have to be presented to the the district, and we're the district. So um, I also looked at the. I huh? What is this presented? Does it mean like just as an information item, or is it actually something that we would have to? It says approve? provided to the board. That's what it says. So I just would like some clarity around that from legal counsel. Um, but also, I looked on the DAS. Um, what, last year, I don't remember us being presented with audit reports from the foundations either. This so, this is the first year that there are separate audit reports for DAS and for okay. the VWT Foundation. Mm -hmm. They've always been included in the audit reports as component units, so the, the overall audit report, and in fact, are included in, the, in this audit report as a component, as two component units. The only foundation that is a totally separate entity is the NBC Foundation, and so that is a separate audit report, and their financial information is not included in the audit that Ben's presenting tonight. So what was the basis for the decision to to separate those out and to only have those audits go to the um, the that those boards, which you know to be honest they're made up of um, a few people, um, mostly administrators and I think now we have a rep we didn't even have a rep on you know before um, but what was the basis for the decision to separate those out and not to have those be part of the the bigger audit? Why, why, why was that decision made? They are part of the bigger audit, but the decision to have a separate audit report was to provide more specific information about those two foundations. So as I say, those two foundations are component units of the district audit, and so their information is included in this overall audit of, uh, of district operations. But having a separate audit report for those two foundations gives it gives clearer information about the specific activities of those two foundations. Okay, so let me okay, let me refine my question. So, why the decision to not have the auditor when he's here present all of the audits? Because the VWT Foundation Board and the DAS Board have not seen those audits yet, and so. As I say, this is the first year we're doing it. Um, you know, we can look at doing it differently next year. Will those audits be on? Because I looked at the DAS website, and 
There are no previous audits posted. I guess because, like you said, they were part of there the bigger audit. Yeah. Will those audits be posted on the DAS? And is there a VWT Foundation website? Yes, and they will be once so be they've posted? once they've been presented to those boards, they would be posted. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. And I would just let me cap it for you. In, in, in the goal here is to increase visibility and a higher level of scrutiny, not the reverse. I'm just concerned about the lack of board oversight. That's what I'm concerned about. And I actually, like I said, because of that document that was sent by our attorney, I just would like confirmation from legal that it doesn't have to be presented in a formal board meeting in front of the board. I think we need to get clarity on that. Yeah, that my, no, my I'm, yeah you're, I guess maybe you're not hearing that we are planning to do that. So we are. that is the plan. We are planning to bring them to the, this board for information. So who, who will present it to the board, the audit reports for those foundations? I would assume it, it, could, be, it could be our CFO. It could be the, the board member who's your trustee who sits on the, the found, each foundation board or combination of those things. Okay. All right. Any thank others? you. Yeah. Any other questions? Um, I have a quick question or two, actually. Um, are we or you, anyone required to report? Or areas of non-compliance to any entity? Well, this report will go to the State Controller's Office and the Chancellor's Office. Um, so particularly for state compliance findings that have an associated question cost, that is something that would be reported up. And um, I understand that it looks like they've been resolved, at least going forward. Is there mm -hmm. any consequence if it hadn't been resolved? Well, if it hadn't been resolved going forward, if, if we weren't, I guess whether we were satisfied or not based upon management's response, when we come out next year, and it's actually going to be specifically during our interim visit, which will probably be late March or around April time, when we come out to really test controls and state compliance, um, we'll be looking, we, like we always are, for comments that were an issue in the prior year. We kind of focus on those from the get-go in addition to the other scope of things that we look at. Um, so whether, in this case, we are satisfied by management's response, nonetheless, we're going to be kind of pinpointing and expanding in this area. Most likely, um, we'll probably do what we did this year um, for next year and for the year after that, assuming this is still applicable, where we'll select 100% of the students that fall in this criteria, the special admit students with over 11.99 units, and make sure that each and every one of them had fees assessed in full. I just have two more, but it's more not so much questions about the audit, more just just bringing up just budgetary questions for me, just two, I guess more for our, our CFO. Um, on page six, you mentioned that the change um, was a positive change from last year to this year, or from 2015 to 2016, of $3 million. Um, and we'd had some discussion at our pre previous meeting about the budget, and um, we know that we got one-time monies from the state of $3 million, and, but we were told before that we did better than that. So I was just curious about that. So, and, and Ben can probably speak to this better than I can, but what you're looking at on page six is our overall financial position, and that pension liability number that's in there is adjusted every year based on what the actuarial tables show for pensions. And so... The fact that the financial position on that report 
improved by $3 million isn't reflective of our cash position or our reserve position. That, that reflects the accrual of the uh, increases in that pension liability based on um, actuarial studies. So if we look at our, our balance, you know, we actually ended the year uh, increasing or we ended the year with revenues exceeding expenses by over $4 million. All right. And then my other last question is, um, I emailed you this question, but I didn't quite understand the response. Um, and this is more budgetary, but the, uh, it talks about how, so while our revenue increased by um, $10 million, um, our expenditures increased by $5 million, million, and the question was $3 million of that was operating expenses, increased operating expenses. So just my question was, where did we see in what area? Because that could be salaries, that could be benefits, it could be supplies. Um, what comprised the most? Sure, and, and actually it's, it's all three of those, and they're related to the fact that $3 million of the increase in state funding was an increase in funding for student uh, support programs, for our student success program and our student equity program. Those are categorical funds. The only We have to spend that money on student services and on uh, student equity initiatives. And so that $3 million increase in revenue from those programs resulted in a $3 million increase in expenditures related to those programs. Thank you. Very good. Thank you. Are we on 73 or where are we? You know, that actually took us through the entire report, um, all the way through the, the prior year comments and their implemented status. So, so yeah, if there's, if there's no other questions, that really would conclude my presentation. Very good. Thank you very much. Thank you. So this is an action item. I'm looking for a motion. So moved. Moved and properly seconded. We'll vote electronically. Rosa, may I record your vote? Oh, no, there it is. Never mind. <laughs> the vote is unanimous. Thank you very much. 14-4, uh, ratify for financial documents. Second. Second. Moved and properly seconded. Any questions? Seeing none, uh, we'll vote electronically. The vote was unanimous. Thank you very much. 14-5, purchase of a CompuSoft Sinopix financial reporting software. Move to approve. Second. Second. Any questions? Seeing none. Vote electronically. The vote was unanimous. Thank you very much. Fourteen six Chancellor's Office grant subagreement between Rancho Santiago Community College District and Napa Valley Community College District. Actually. I was hoping that Diana Chipotle was here to present oh. on that. I don't know if that was a plan, but that's she what is. I was thinking. She was here so late. But Hi, I Diana. Don't. This is that question I had on the unlock um, data. It seems like a lot of money coming in for CT, which is great, and I was just curious about the plan for those monies. 
I asked Diana, I talked to Diana based on your question today, and she said she'd be here, so she's happy to address it. Um, so specifically about the grant for the CT Data Unlocked, that um, grant is actually to help colleges um, find and um, become familiar with the data sources that are out there for us to use um, as we explore our programs and the need that is out there for workforce um, um, I'm sorry, I've been grading papers. So it's out there, the, that money is used to have us um, help faculty and others on campus understand how to use the data sources that are out there and what data sources are out there and which data sources best meet our needs when we are trying to um, determine the need for a program um, increasing the size of a program, and in some cases, um, program discontinuance. Will it also be used to possibly identify new programs, new um, programs? We will be doing that, but this particular pot of money isn't, used, isn't to be used for expansion of programs, but what it should do, and in the trainings that we're looking at providing for faculty and others, um, and actually joining with some other colleges on that, it will help um, our, our college um, faculty and staff understand which sources of data they would need to explore whether a particular program um, was appropriate for us to have or not. Because the, the, the data that's out there is often by occupation. And our programs, as you might notice in our catalog, don't, don't um, specifically align always to particular industry. And even if you take a, a program like welding, there are many other industries and that use welders, and they may not call those positions welders. And so this money will be used to help train everyone on how to explore the data that's out there and the different sources of that data. So that makes it just Napa Valley College will be getting $50,000 to do that? No, actually. What happened about uh, almost a, well, maybe a year ago now, the Chancellor's Office um, has been working, and part of the work that I did previously with Vaughn was around um, CT data and the launch board and data unlocked, actually. Um, then after the um, some of the sources that the Chancellor's Office has were developed and um, perfected some and constantly being perfected. The Chancellor's Office opened up the potential for colleges to get $50,000 for training. So there was a stipulation to that for colleges to be able to access that money. They had to send a team, which could be only two people. We sent about four or five to a training. And once that team attended that training, we became eligible to receive that money. So what we're approving is for this team, we're approving, it looks like we're approving. Oh, you're approving us to actually, for Bob actually, to accept the $50,000 and allow us to spend it. Okay, so it will bring in, this will bring in $50,000 to our college, to this yes, college. to okay. be spent in a very specific way, but I will tell you that, that the way in which we have to spend it is desperately needed. Okay, no, I, I agree. I I just, it sounds like a lot of money, and they talked about um, after that possibly $2 million. Well, and the, the, the $200, $200 million, million, I wish that was all coming to us. But um, unfortunately it's not. We have to share with the other colleges. But um, yes, and that, 
that $50,000 and the more skilled we all become in the CTE and EWD and beyond division about looking at the data will actually help us utilize that $200 million, our portion of that, in a manner that um, most meet the needs of our students and our community. That yeah, makes sense? It's, it is exciting, and it's, it's a lot of money. It's, and I just, we've talked a lot about, I know different board members have expressed, you know, trying to identify careers or programs that our students are interested in that they're going to other community colleges for because we don't offer them. And um, we always talk about it's expensive and it takes time, it takes two years, and it just seems like this is a great opportunity to, to look at that. So It is. And there's, there's also other facets that come into play when deciding which programs any given college should have. And we are creating... Um, um, Linkages with our other colleges through our regional consortia and are looking at how we can um, regionally look at program alignments and sharing of students and kind of being a little bit more open in that. We may never have certain programs, but we might direct students to another college who then will direct students to us for programs that we do have. Thank you. Uh, I, I have a quick question. Um, I just want to make certain I understand. Is the training that you receive is that the scope of work yes okay so so i'll just give you kind of an example so there's a particular source of data out there it's called mcemsi that we often use it's one source of data there's a ton of them and in order for us to use that effectively faculty primarily faculty and the staff in ewd need to know how to use it to find what they need to find for their programs. And the training will help everyone know how to use it, when to use MC versus um, LaunchBoard or other programs that are out there, depending what type of data they're looking for. So it'll help us learn to choose which ones we should be looking at and also how to determine what that data might be telling us what types of searches we might need to do, even how to ask the question about what we're looking for. And we, we definitely need that. It's, and it's, it's clearly an issue statewide. That's why the Chancellor's Office opened it up. But they only gave it if the team went to that training, the initial training. Thank you very much. Move approval. For a second? Second. Oh. Approved and properly seconded. Thank you very much. I'm also sorry. Referring to Who seconded the motion? I'm going to give it to you. Yes. I'll defer. So now we're going to vote electronically. The vote is unanimous. Thank you very much. At this time, we're on item 15, annual organizational items. For item 15-1, I'm going to turn the gavel over to our board secretary. That is Dr. Ron Brown. Hey. There you go. Sure. Okay. Um, I am going to share with you a, the, the script that we normally use every year and just kind of read it through. There's a certain process for election, and then we'll, we'll go from there. All right. We now move to agenda item 15.1, nomination election of board officers. Ed Code 72,000, as well as Board Policy 2210, require the Board elects its officers at an annual org meeting in December. The Board is 
the district has two board officer positions. The first is president. Second is vice president, whom uh, both take office January 1 of 17. Before making nominations, there is an opportunity for public comment on the election of officers. After that, trustees may ask questions or make comments. After that, there will be nominations for the office of president, followed by voting. Once a president is elected, vice president nominations and uh, voting will follow. State law and board policy allow any member to nominate a trustee for president with or without providing reasons for any nomination. Any trustee may nominate oneself, and any trustee, including the student trustee, may second a nomination. When there are no more nominations, wow, there, that are seconded, there will be a motion to close nominations, and I'll walk you through again. Votes will be cast in the same sequence as nominated. The first nominee to receive a majority of, four, of votes before will be elected, and then you just stop at that point. Uh, if no person receives a majority of the first ballot, then the person with the least votes is eliminated, and you do it one more time. Once a president is elected, the same process is used to elect the vice president. Are there any questions, comments, or actions regarding the process? <coughs> no question. So is there anyone from the public? who would like to address the board on the elections of officers. <laughs> Hearing no public out. Oh, there is a public. Yes. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> so noted. Thank you. Okay, Gabriel. Closed for that. All right. So now um, we're going to move to nominations, and Carolee can help me write, writing them down a little bit. Nominations are now open to the trustees for the office of president. Who wishes to be recognized to make a nomination for the office of president? I do. I do. Oh. Okay. Well, we'll just work through. I, I heard, uh, no, you're deferring. Okay. Well, I heard Mr. you, so I'll call on you and, and recognize you for Marianne Mancuso. You're nominating. I'm nominating Rafael Rios. A second. We're not quite there yet. No. Okay. But, um, <laughs> Who wishes to second the nomination? <laughs> yes, thank you, sir. Okay. Um, you want it, any comments or anything you'd like to say? Rafael. Yeah. <laughs> Re regarding your nomination. All right. So I'm just walking through my script here. Um, Rafael Rios is nominated to be the board president. Who wishes to be recognized to make another nomination? Pause. Are there any further nominations? Oz. Seeing no further nominations for the Oz, for the president, there's a motion to close nominations. Um, I need a motion to close nominations. I move, move to close. Second, please. Second. And all those in favor, please. Aye. 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 Nominations for president are closed. Congratulations, the nominee is now president. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, very nice. Okay, we get to do it again. For uh, nominations are now open to the trustees for the office of vice president. Who wishes to be recognized to make a nomination for the office of vice president? Hearing, okay. Who would you hearing Michael Baldini? Who wishes to second that nomination? I second that. Thank you. Do you have any comments you'd like to make regarding your nomination as vice president? Thank you. 
Maria Mancuso is nominated to be vice president. Who wishes to be recognized to make another nomination? I nominate Kyle. Bill second. It's been seconded. Seeing no further nominations. Um, well, I'm sorry. You, you, is there something that you would like to say having been nominated and seconded? Thank you. Okay. Seeing no further nominations for vice president. All right. There's a motion to close nominations. I need that. So move. Second, please. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Nominations are closed. Okay, now we'll go through this. Um, the board will now proceed to vote on the candidates for the office of vice president. The election will be made by raising hands. A raised hand is a vote for a candidate. The first candidate who receives a majority vote will be elected vice president. I a, actually, I have a question. You said we could ask questions. Are we allowed to ask like, questions from the candidates, like why they want to be board chair? No. no? We can't ask those kind of questions? Yeah, that was their, their option. That was their option. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's not going to be any kind of pugil stick thing in the arena. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Candidates will be voted on in the order they were. Um, the following members were nominated for the Office of Vice President. Nom uh, nominee A is Miriam Mancuso. Nominee B is Kyle Iverson. Um, all in favor of Marianne Mancuso, please raise your hand at this time. Okay. One, two, three, four. With a, trust with a student trustee. Um, that is a majority, and you are elected Vice President. Yes, you can do that. The board officers for 2017 are Rafael Rios as president and Maria Mancuso as vice president. Very nice. Thank you. And, oh, yeah, we need the stuff back. This is item 15.2, which will weigh heavily on both of these because they have a kind of a polarizing effect, I would think. So I'll look to them for a, a approval in a second or any amendments to that. I do have one comment. Board of trustees meeting calendar. We can, yes. Once you take a look, um, if you've got this open, the... Um, We've talked about it a little bit, and, and Bob, on his recommendation, would like to remove the special meeting of 519-16, and you might talk about that tentative budget workshop. It, it, uh, it was my suggestion, and my understanding is this tentative budget workshop is something that we implemented recently, and it, it, uh, it was not well attended, and then when we got to the board meeting where we actually asked you to approve the budget. Um, it happened very quickly and with little opportunity to present information about the budget. And so it was my suggestion that we have tentative budget workshops that we do for the, um, uh, for the campus community prior to bringing the budget to the board. We would give the board in advance of the board meeting the information on the budget, but that the presentation of the budget and the public discussion of the budget would be uh, better, the public would be better served if we did that presentation at a 
regularly scheduled board meeting rather than at a special workshop. Are you thinking like a pre-board workshop or just the regular meeting? I would say we could do it either way, but but in my experience, it's been part of the regular meeting. I would recommend a regular too. It's, I think it's it's more, it's much more transparent. Is um, I know you have mentioned a couple of times that you were kind of moving the budget calendar back to start things earlier. Would it be possible to do that perhaps in April? No, we so we did move the budget calendar back to give the campus community more time. The unit, uh, the um, budget center managers and the various units more time to really work on their plans. We hadn't pushed the um, the date of the finalization of the budget back any further, though, and we are still planning our presentation to the campus community. Those uh, budget forms that we do for the campus community are typically done during the last regular week of classes for the spring semester, and we're looking at continuing that practice at least for this uh, for this budget cycle. And when would, would that be? Prior, that wouldn't be prior to the May meeting, even would it? It would not be prior to the May meeting, no. June. So right, so the the presentation of the tentative budget would be at the June. Um, and it the, needs to be adopted by when? It needs to be adopted in June. Yeah, and so that is typically so. If, even if you look at the tentative budget workshop on the nineteenth, that's still after would have been after the May um, board meeting, mm -hmm. and we'll be providing updates as we go through the budget cycle. We'll because we're doing things a little earlier this year. We'll be able to provide updates throughout the budget cycle to the board. May I point out that the. Um April meeting is not the second Thursday of the month, but the third to avoid spring break, and that should be annotated. And then the years for the meetings in the special meeting column should all read 2017. <laughs> so, yeah, good, good catch, yeah. So basically, and again, this will come back. You have plenty of you know time. We have to adopt it tonight, but you know it's open to review, and certainly we can change on the specials if you like very easily. Um, but but I think you need to adopt adopt it. I think that change in April is probably the most significant. I'm just glad that next year in December it's not on my birthday. <laughs> it's not on your birthday. I have a question about the one that the, the uh, meeting at the Upper Valley Campus is. Is there a particular topic of that meeting? Yes, we, we thought that we'd meet up there and also talk about the vision and the goals and objectives for that campus, so you can kind of real time look and and, and hear what's the planning for all of that. It's been our desire for the last couple of years to have a meeting up there, as well as an American Canyon. We have a. Good group up there. Yep, but Michelle folks, is here Michelle's as well. Wave you know. your hand, Michelle. Yeah. There she is. Dean of the Upper Valley Campus. And we thought at that meeting, that special meeting, we would also, um, we talked about this in cabinet, invite, uh, you know, um, San Helena um, leaders to attend that meeting, weigh in, understand, listen to what they are thinking about for the community, share our share our vision and future for them. And we're inviting oh. cooking school, too. And yeah, maybe, yeah. So to later change um, 
the tentative budget workshop to just being, do we have to bring this back to the board to make that kind of a change, or how would that work if we later wanted to change no, that? No, you mean the whole calendar? Yeah. No. The, the regular meeting calendar you would need to act to revise, mm -hmm. um, but not this I'll move approval. Any other questions, uh, Raphael? Any comments? On nope. Uh, Carol Lee answered the only right? one that I had about why was April. All right. Good. We'll vote electronically. If you wouldn't mind, could you vote verbally for this? Yes. Item? All in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed say no. Motion carries. Thank you very much. Uh, we're moving into the board reports on 16. And we'll begin with the Viticulture and Winery Foundation Board of Directors, Rafael Rios, a representative there. We have not had another meeting since the last one that I reported on, so there's nothing further to report. Very good. The Redevelopment Oversight Committee, Kyle Iverson. Very good, thank you. Legislative Affairs Committee, uh, Marianne Mancuso, has just stepped down. <laughs> I'll defer to her uh, next in line, Kyle Iverson. Very much. And the audit committee uh, consists of Mancuso and Kyle. So, Kyle, if you please. And I want to thank you for your service on four out of the five committees, the Kyle Iverson <laughs> trustee. And we'll go to five, the DAS, District Auxiliary <laughs> Services <laughs> Board of Directors. Is that what that is? It's all about Kyle tonight. So. We, uh, <laughs> so as a clarification, the, the uh, a trustee has sat on that in the very beginning and then the constitution if you will uh, rewritten to take that trustee off the board and now they're back on the board so it has evolved over the years as well as the viticulture and winery foundation board of directors so now we'll move to i do have a, a, a note note um on the and, and maybe it's um we can just talk about this the redevelopment oversight committee we had talked about joanne had resigned um, I got the information from, um, it was my thought process that uh, that the RCFO was going to be appointed to that, which I did. I can, I can unwind that if, we, if need be. It's, he's not dying to go. Um, but um, So just we can talk about that later, either, either way. If you want to reappoint him next time, Bob would just step I can't appoint him today. I don't take office. No, today. I know. It will be next. So there's not, it's just kind of FYI. I just wanted to make sure it was public. Thank you very much. Yeah. 
So I'll begin with what better trustee Kyle to comment on his reports. I'm very happy to be here and um, excited to get my feet wet. And uh, I, while I was out on the campaign trail, I talked to a lot of people in the community, and I went out with um, a few ideas and came back with even more. So I'm excited to see where we can go with some of this. There he is. So a couple of things. Um, uh, so I had lunch with Diana Chibote and um, Bruce Wilson, who's the executive director of our new broader uh, workforce investment board. And um, they're just a match made in heaven. So with, uh, with her new work and uh, the expanded, we're now going to be four counties, I believe. Um, I, I just think that the communication between Bruce and Diana is going to be really uh, fabulous in uh, working with our community as well as, you know, just the region as a whole. Um, there was something else. Oh, the art show was wonderful. I think we did pretty well with it, didn't we, uh? Carolee, and I got some great photos from it. It was great. It was wonderful. Thank you for uh, hosting it, putting it on. Um, and then we went to lunch, the Up Valley Campus Lunch. was, as always, fabulous. And uh, that's it. I'm looking forward to the upcoming graduations this week. Amy. I, I sent my board report last night to Carolee. I don't know. If, did you get my board report I sent? You know, I just posted it because I had missed it. Um, oh, okay. Because yeah. um, it's kind of long, but mostly it's kind of a list of, well, the first thing, um, just as far as activities, I, I did go to the NBC art show, um, but I my mom had the date wrong, so I went before the art opening, but I did see all the artwork, and that was, it was fun to see the student arts. Um, and then the, I have some requests for information, and it's a long list, but some of these, few of these things I've been asking for for a little while. But one of them, um, especially now that we have two new board members, but also for the regular, uh, for the continuing board members, um, the CCLC board uh, policy templates, um, the ones we have now are two years old. So what I would like to have is the, the entire board have access, um, have the password to the CCLC site so that we can have the most updated versions of those templates. Um, but if for some reason we, we can't have that, um, then we need new electronic copies of those templates. Um, also, a while back, I'd asked for the summary from the parliamentarian. I think that would also be good 
because we do have two new board members, but also from us. Uh, we, he was here twice and observed us. Um, and he, he told me he was going to provide a summary of his recommendations, and we've never seen that. Um, the president's new contract, the board hasn't received that. So um, we have the old contract, but not the new one. So I'm requesting a copy of that. Uh, and then lastly, um, the attorney's rewrite of her opinion and recommendations regarding the possible Brown Act violations um, that we had the special meeting about. I heard that's been provided. Um, so I'm requesting that the board receive a copy of that as well. And then lastly, well, almost lastly, announcements. Um, I saw a recent research article on food and housing insecurities among community college students. And the Napa Valley College Food Pantry was highlighted as one of the colleges who are actually doing something to address uh, food insecurity among students. And so I thought that was great. They mentioned only three colleges, and one of them was Napa Valley College. So I was hoping Oscar would be here. Oh, Oscar, you're still there. You're just quiet over there. I'm absorbed in my report. But thank you for the food pantry that uh, Student Services organizes. Um, and I can send you the article if you want to show it to the students that, that coordinate that. And Gabriel, maybe you could show it to the students as well. Um, another announcement, uh, the Effective Trustee Workshop in Sacramento is coming up again um, January 27th to 29th. Um, I know it's especially for new trustees, but uh, two years ago most of the board went, and I would like to go, and I think um, it's important for all of us to continue to develop. Uh, and so... Um, I'm hoping we'll all go again, um, but I would definitely like to go to that. And lastly, uh, future agenda items, uh, two things. One of is two years old, um, the nepotism board policy. We had a first reading on that two years ago. It got pulled, so it could be uh, put in line with the CCLC recommended language. It's never come back. Um, so I'm still requesting that that come back and be updated um, using the CCLC recommended language. And then lastly, uh, the, the college mission statement. Um, I, I was actually excited when that was being reviewed. I, I've always thought it, it could be improved. And when they put out the components uh, that are supposed to be in a mission statement per the accreditation standards, I could see there were um, things missing, and so I was looking forward to that. So I hope that comes forward at some point. Um, and that's it. Well, I'm very glad to be here. I'm looking forward to working with administration and, and academics and, and everybody around here. Um, I am also looking forward to the workshops in, in Sacramento. I think those like Amy said, will be invaluable, but um, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and I can't wait for the year to start. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. Kelsey. Thank you. Um, I don't have anything to report, but I would like to say welcome to the new board members and congratulations to our new president and vice president. And since how we won't meet again until the new year, happy new year to everybody. And please um, find some time to relax and hopefully be with your families. Raphael. Well, I was able to get two lunches in this, this <laughs> month. Um, went out to you know, the Upper Valley campus with some of you. Some of you were, were missing. We were supposed to be there. And then I also went to the lunch the foundation uh, put on for the donors, which was... Um, 
found it interesting to be there and meet some of the people that you know are supporting the uh, the college through through the foundation, um, and found it very interesting that some of them kind of have no idea what the structure of the district is. They were surprised and a little bit confused about me being a, a trustee versus the board members from the foundation. So um, that was interesting that, that they didn't quite understand <laughs> the difference there and who was who. Um, but I enjoyed meeting uh, some of those people that are giving our students um, you know, more opportunity that they might not otherwise have. Um, I'm sorry that I missed a couple of things. Um, I think I complained to Carol Lee about this uh, <laughs> earlier. One, the, uh, the, the wine sale, uh, which I found out about on the day of and, and so couldn't quite get here. The, the other one was the, the art show. Um, I really enjoy going in and, and looking at those things and, and, um, so I was sorry again. That was kind of I got last minute a notification that that was happening, and sometimes it's just difficult to get out of the work I'm doing to, to get down here from Up Valley for that on short notice. Um, but I was wondering on, on that when we do you have the student art show and the faculty um, there was a faculty sale of art. I think and that. I was wondering if we could either the meeting before or the meeting after bring whatever pieces are left and, and display them in here, yeah. um, you know, for people to see, uh, and some of us that miss it. <laughs> well, if I could just um, respond. So uh, the, the faculty art show, which was the most recent event, um, we had uh, a, a, number, a number of, of works that that remained unbought, and I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I guess it would be up to um, my colleague, since it was her primarily her work. My two colleagues, actually, what how they would feel about it. Most likely, perfectly fine. And so there is still work. So I'm not sure what um, how we could uh, display it for possible sale. But um, and. The other show was um, faculty just in the department, just an ex um, a exhibition of their work. It wasn't actually a sale. And so twice a year we have, typically in the fall, an exhibition of fac faculty work, an exhibition of student work in the spring. And this sale is really specifically for raising money for scholarships. So just to clarify. Right. Last last. Year, I guess I, I wasn't aware of that. I had attended the exhibition, and, and it's just it's it's fun to see, especially if you if you like to look at you know all the, the visual different types of visual arts. Uh, I know Mr. Baldini has purchased art in the in the past, and uh, again, I wasn't there. He's seen it in Thank my you. house, and he's and, and so we could probably could you put it on the website, and then Raphael could bid on it and and outbid <laughs> one another trustee. Yeah, yes. Yes. Is the artwork still displayed? Actually, I don't know. Um, actually, uh, we took it down because there's now student work up. Really, actually, I would invite all of you, if you happen to find yourself at that end of campus, to step in. Um, it's extraordinary work by our students. Um, they are full-size, life-size, drawn self-portraits on great 
huge pieces of paper hanging in the lobby right now, and they're really it. This is um, these are our students the uh, under the instruction of Aida Gomez, one of our extraordinary adjunct instructors. So now that I'm on the mic, I was going to do a little shameless plug. So thanks. Is that what else that include the art of the viticulture department as well? That, that graces frequently and often your your shows. Um, we won't have an opening, but I'm sure you, Paul will let you take a bottle over and look at the drawings. So, so there you go, Raphael. You could buy wine and buy. Art. I think that that's the art I was that I saw, and that's what I was referring to. And, and I think that's the art, the student art that's for sale, and it raises money for scholarships. So that, that work was not for sale. The the oh. work that was for sale was faculty work, and that had been up previously. The drawings that are up currently are the students' work. Okay. Maybe a pre-board workshop we could circulate through, look at student work. Thank you, Rafa. And thank you all. Thank you all for your patience, help, and guidance over the past year. Um, I appreciate it. It's been an honor to serve you all. And until uh, until next time, the uh, I'll wait. Because I also get the mic at adjournment, don't I? So, all right, well, moving right along. Uh, I don't see any need for 17 continuance of closed session items. We accomplished everything we needed. The first, uh, in the announcements of future meetings, I believe that should read the 17, 2017, uh, that we just approved, 01-12-2017. I do. Question. And there's a question. Question. Now, uh, I think Karen has sent out to everyone um, that January 27, 29, and I've, she's received several. Is anybody, are you all in? Are you all planning on going? Does everybody have information? How many of you have gotten back to Karen already? No one has? Yes, that was it? No one has? Okay. Is anyone, is everyone planning on going? Is everyone in? Is everyone invited? Okay, so, all right, so it's a it's a dearth of communication. We'll send it out again. Are you talking and about the, the workshop the or workshop. the holiday January party. 27th to the 29th, which is the January. Yeah, oh, which I, is I, the, I didn't get anything, trustee. I'd like to go, yeah. Okay, all right. You are, I mean, you've already RSVP, I know. You, I think. Yeah, you do. <laughs> so we're, we're done. All right. And Rose, all right. Thank you. All right, thank you very much. So we're looking at uh, what? How could you adjourn and have a new category? That's, that's a new category. <laughs> Very good. Uh, so we've we've talked, and my my personal experiences. I know you all want to know about them, but it, it you, you observe nature and you see. Uh, Nature, the trees, and, and particularly this time you're closing up and animals closing up and as we seek uh, another layer of clothing. and I just want to ask you all that you remain uh, warm, your head and your hearts, and stay limber. That's when good uh, conversation comes about. And to dads, I know we've, and then. I know Eric, we've been told his, he just lost his father. And uh, Last Friday I was meant to have a meeting, and he said he couldn't make it. The next day he was gone, 36 years old, also a father. He just 
so important to the family unit, so important. So to uh, the dads, I'll close out the year. And moms and family. And moms. Make it moms and family. And dads. Kids of all ages.